Father God, we come before you asking that you will help us to meet you in Jerusalem, in the new Jerusalem. Father, we come before you as sinners. We come before you as repentant sinners. Father, we come before you as men, women, and young men and women who need you desperately. And Father God, we ask that you will give us the strength that we need to persevere, to finish our race. So that we can one day stand with you and our brothers and sisters and sing new songs to you as we glorify your name in the new Jerusalem. Father, be with us today as we worship and look into your word. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now you may be seated. How we doing today, church? Amen. Well... The 2016 Olympics in Rio has finally come to an end. I don't know about you, but I was glued to the TV, hoping for an upset with Hussein Bolt. But amen. Amen. The God, God doesn't answer all prayers, but amen. Over 10,500 athletes from 206 different countries competed across 306 events for 4,924 medals. Many of us wish we were as fast as Hussein Bolt. Or that we could even tread water like Michael Phelps. When I go swimming with my kids, I go right to the bottom. So I wish I could swim like Michael Phelps. After we, we saw Simone Biles bounce back and get the goal, we were just fired up. We're like, yeah! I can't remember the last time I touched my toes, but that girl can move. And how about Monica Puig, the first Puerto Rico? She won that goal. Or how about the young man that beat Michael Phelps in the butterfly from Singapore? Ashton Eaton, the greatest athlete alive, man. Two decathlons back to back. And how about Simone Manuel? And those are just a notable few. The host country, Brazil, winning the soccer, the soccer match. I mean, we just... We were just inspired. And I sat there and I thought, man, I, you know, I, I remember back in the days when I used to make a, a, a layup without needing air afterwards. And I'm watching these young guys, Kevin Durant, these guys bring home the gold. It was like nothing to them. We were inspired. But then I was reminded, you know what? I am an athlete. Now, I can't dunk like I used to. My finger rolls barely get over the rim, but hey, man, that's all right. I still can't remember the last time I touched my toes. But you know what? We're spiritual athletes. And although we're not competing for a gold medal to hang around our necks, we are reaching for the gold. The golden crown that we can only get by God himself in the New Jerusalem in the kingdom of heaven. My message today is simply this, reach 
for the gold. Reach for the gold. In 1 Corinthians 9, let's, let's, go, let's, let's get in some Bible here. You guys can see? All right, amen. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. It's the New Living Translation. It says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize? Would that be, I mean, that would just be sad. If we were all running and, and the only way to get into heaven is that you actually had to win. We'd all be disqualified, right? Because little Paris would probably beat most of us. He's so short and fast, and I know he beat me. I'd be totally upset. But see, that's not the type of race we're running. The race that we're running, we all win. We just need to finish. We, we just need to cross the finish line. It doesn't matter if you come in first, second, third. There's no gold, silver, or bronze in heaven. There's only gold. And all we need to do is make it across the line. Verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul was a big fan of the Olympic Games back in his day. He uses this, this illustration to, to point and, and to show us how the Christian way, the Christian race is very similar to the athletes we watched two weeks ago. That we must go into strict training. That we have to have a purpose at our step. That we're not just shadow boxing as if we're, 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 we're fighting an invisible enemy. No, we have to have a purpose. And these men and women go through extreme regimens to prepare themselves. And there's no guarantee they're even going to meddle. But they go into strict training. Some will fast. Some will, will, will abstain just to prepare their bodies physically and mentally for the Olympics. And there's a chance they will not meddle. But you see, for us, it's different. Paul is telling us that Paul doesn't want to be disqualified because, you see, for us, we need to go into strict training as well, but everyone that finishes will meddle. We're all running towards a heavenly reward. The disciplines of prayer... Bible study. The reason why we emphasize that is because we need to be in training. You can't get into heaven without being in physical and spiritual shape. You gotta train. You can't overlook the importance of reading your Bible, praying, exercising your faith, repenting, and being obedient to the scriptures. That's all a part of our training. You think Michael Phelps just wakes up after eating a Ten bowls of oatmeal and just jump in the water and win gold? No, the man goes into training. He wants to be the best. We just want to make it. Can't reach the goal sitting in the stands. You got to get in the race. And I think for some of us, you've been visiting this church far too long. It's time to get out of the stands, 
I don't care if you're in the front row. You can't be in the games if you're sitting in the front row. You got to be involved. You got to be involved. You want to make it to heaven? You got to get into the race. Well, James, what is it that's waiting for me on the other side? I'm glad you asked. Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth has passed away. I'm pretty sure you can walk outside and see that there's some things that need to be changed. Turn the TV on. There's some things in our society that needs to be renewed. And he says here in verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now dwelling, the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. What is the gold? Reaching the land of no mores. No more dying. No more disease. No more bills, hallelujah. No more debt. No more lying. No more injustice. When the new Jerusalem comes and if we're a part of that, that, that reunion with our Father, Everything will be renewed. But we got to run our race with purpose. And I have one simple point today, and that's that. Run with purpose. We have to run with purpose. No one approaches the starting line thinking that they're going to lose. No one approaches the starting line assuming that they may fail. No, everyone that lines up, lines up with a purpose. They're all going for the gold. They're all trying to make it. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're stepping up to the starting line. Nobody, nobody anticipates falling away from God. Nobody, nobody hopes that there are going to be obstacles that will shake their faith and, and rattle them spiritually. No one approaches the starting line like that. But do we have hurdles? Do we have obstacles in our way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus said, look, I, you're going to have persecution. Jesus told us that there are going to be hard times, but you can make it. You can still finish your race. You know, according to Steve uh, Seibold, he's a former athlete, a mental toughness coach to professional athletes, and an author of a book called 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class. And he gives a list of 10 characteristics and behaviors of Olympic athletes that I believe are worth imitating. Paul refers to these athletes. He said that there's some things we can learn from these guys. Their attitude toward training. And so I looked at this list and I thought, wow, these are some great characteristics and behaviors that I believe we too, if we imitate, will help us reach the goal. Number one, we got to have a winning attitude. You see that Sister Miller? She jumped across the line. People are like, what? But you know what? She was doing whatever it took to win. Whatever it takes. That girl dove across that line and I'm sitting there like, 
What just happened? Because I was going for Felix. And I'm like, that's not right. That's not part of the rules. And I did some research. I was on Google. And sure enough, it's part of the rules. I bet you Felix is looking like, man, why didn't I think of that? Whatever it takes, they've made the decision to pay any price and to bear any burden for the name of victory. In James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Spiritual maturity comes at a price. There are no shortcuts to growth. Anyone that cheats and tries to take it, they all get disqualified. But we need a whatever it takes attitude to get to heaven. Whatever it takes, whatever I need to change, whatever I need to work on, wherever I need to go, that's my attitude. That attitude will help you reach the goal. When most people run into obstacles, they seek a way to escape it. Olympic athletes have a plan to push forward. When this happens, they learn from their challenges. They grow. They mature. You can't keep running from your problems. I think all of those of us who are praying and asking God to change our circumstances, instead God is waiting for us to pray and say, no, change me so that I can overcome and push through my circumstances. That's how you grow. Olympic athletes are all held accountable on all levels. You know, one of the biggest problems for most people is the lack of accountability. We're part of a big team. What you do affects everybody else on the team. What I do affects everybody else on the team. We see this played out with this whole Ryan Lochte situation. One bad decision, and the whole team is affected. Put a stain on the whole Olympic Games. Let me ask you something. Do you have a support system in place to help you finish your race? Do you have somebody in your life holding you accountable on all levels? Let me point out a few levels that I believe we need to really be held accountable. Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 12, verse 15, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Where do we need to be held accountable? On a heart level. Not just on a behavior level. What are you thinking? What attitudes do you constantly bring to church, to your small group meetings, when you come home from work, what is, what's in your heart? And who's holding you accountable to those attitudes? I think sometimes we, we, we allow ourselves to go days and weeks without any accountability. And our hearts are just getting harder and harder and harder because there's no one seeing to it that your heart is good. 
Well, bro, nobody asked me how I was doing. That's not that. That's not, look, that's not my problem. You need to go after it. You can't blame the doctor. We don't have that, that way of thinking with anything else. But when it comes to church, we wait for people to ask us. Your doctor doesn't call you up and say, hey, um, how's your blood pressure doing? If he does, give me his number because that is a phenomenal doctor right there. You're not their only patient. Your dentist doesn't call you up except to remind you maybe of your appointment, but they don't call you up and say, hey, did you brush this morning? Did you remember the floss? But yet when it comes to our spirit, the most important aspect of our life, we have no accountability. We got to be held accountable on a heart level. You can't just let sinful attitudes run rampant and go unchecked. God's going to expose it anyway. You might as well put yourself out there. Like Paris said, there's grace. There's grace. I think we're too, we're too afraid to look bad in front of each other. God loves ugly. I don't care what that, that, that's, I don't even know where that came from. God don't like ugly. Absolutely, that's not, God loves ugly. God loves it when we're ugly. When you confess sin, you're ugly. Man, I was prideful. That's ugly. Bro, I was jealous. Bro, that's, that's ugly. But you know what? God loves it. Because if it doesn't leave the mouth, it won't leave your heart. And God would rather you have a clear heart and a good conscience than to look good on the outside. Because all that's going to change anyway. You know, this picture right here, I don't know if you remember, but U.S. runner Abby D'Agostino and Nikki Hamblin of New Zealand both competed in the women's 5,000 meter event. After about 3,200 meters, the two collided and fell to the ground. D'Agostino got up, but saw that Hamlet was hurt and in pain and stopped to help her. I went down and I was like, what's happening? Why am I on the ground, Hamlin said. Then suddenly there was this hand on my shoulder, and D'Agostino saying, get up, get up, we have to finish this. And I'm like, yep, yep, you're right. This is the Olympic Games. We have to finish. Whose hand is on your shoulder saying, get up? Get up. We have to finish this. This is the spiritual race. We have to finish. We all need somebody standing by our side when we fall. Because there are times we can't get up by ourselves. And we need somebody. You know, she didn't drag her across the finish line. She put some effort into this. She was hopping, but they went across together. I think sometimes we hope that people will drag us into heaven. And we may have to do that with some of you. But when, look, no man left behind. No woman left behind. That's the attitude Jesus had. But you got to put some effort. You got to help me. You got to work with me. Who's tapping your shoulder telling you to come on? Who's trying to help you across the line? Are you a willing participant? Or are you just going to sit there in self-pity and miss out on finishing your race? All Olympic athletes, elite athletes are learning machines. 
They spend hours practicing, studying their competitors, watching videos of their performances, session after session with their coaches and their mentors. You know, if the average person just adopted a fraction of this work ethic, the results could be amazing. You know, Olympians are coachable. Before they get to their event, they get input from their coach. Afterwards, they go back to their coach. I, mean, I was watching every app. They go right, they make a beeline right to their coach. What can I have done? And they're talking to him. But their coach, I didn't see one athlete walk up. You ain't up there. You know how hard it is to flip between those two bars and land on my feet without falling on my face? That wasn't their attitude. But some of us, we, don't, we stopped learning when we became parents. We're like, I got this. But some of us, we got married, we stopped learning. Rob, I'm good. I know exactly what to do. I know exactly how to love her. We became Christians. After a year or so, we were hungry. Get a little Bible study under our belt, a little quiet time here and there. We stopped learning. I'm thinking these people, these people are doing this for a gold medal that's not even gold. Ain't that something? They're competing for silver medals. It's not they stopped making gold medals over 60, 70 years ago. So it's not even like they're getting pure gold. You and I are competing for something that will never fade away, that will never lose value. Let me tell you something. Our kids imitate the type of learners we are. Your kids see you being coached. They'll want to be coached. If they see you going after it, it just, well, that's just who mom and dad is. Olympic athletes are coachable. The bigger the champion, the more humble they are. You can't tell me that after Michael Phelps lost that silver medal, he didn't go back to his son, what could I have done differently? What could I have done better? Hussein Bolt didn't get as fast as he was just because he's naturally gifted. Somebody had to coach his form. Somebody had to work on him. Somebody had to con con continually remind him that he has the potential of greatness. Somebody was in his corner coaching him, pointing out the weak areas, showing him the way. You can't reach the gold on your own. we got to have somebody helping us. Consider these two passages, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending you to Timothy, sending you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. 
1 Thessalonians 1, verse 6 and 7. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with great jo- with, with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. You know, every one of us has the potential to be great models of Christ. But we got to imitate the Christ-likeness in other godly men and women. We have to be willing to learn. The Bible commands the younger women to learn from the older women. That's one of the biggest issues I see with millennials today. Is that we want to be in a position of influence without being influenced. No one's going to trust your insight if you're not being trained by godly men and women. You can't just walk up to somebody who's been walking with Christ for 20 years and start pointing out things in their life that they need to change when you're not a learner. Great leaders were once great followers. Great teachers were once great students. Paul didn't become the man he was. He learned from Gamaliel. He was a student first. He was a student first. I thank God for men like Sam Powell, Steve Kennard, Larry Craig. I mean, brothers like, 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 like Kevin Finney, who helped me and shaped me to be a, the best husband I could be. I bet my wife is excited that there are men in my life. Because James Warren is jacked up on his own. There are things that come naturally for me that won't help my marriage. I had to learn how to love this woman. I had to learn how to love my kids. I didn't have that role model growing up. I had to learn. And that's another thing. For most of us brothers who grew up without a father figure, just wanting to be the better dad than the one you had is not enough. You still got to have somebody coaching you. Somebody training you. You have to learn. I had to learn how to spend quality time with my son. Because I never had quality time with my dad. Now, yes, my desire was to be a great dad, to be a better dad. How? You learn from other great dads. Bro, what do you do when you're alone with your son? How do you take your son to the park and spend 30 minutes alone with him? How do you spend time with your kids without looking at your cell phone constantly? Like, what do you do? A learning machine. Every one of us has potential to be great. Great Olympian athletes practice self-control. The plane is landing. You practice self-control. You know, self-control requires an honest look at your strengths and weaknesses with an emphasis on your weaknesses. It means building the will to say no when the powerful appetite inside of us screams yes. We need self-control. Paul said, I beat my body and make it my slave. Paul had to take radical action. It takes self-control to be a Christian. Saying no to friends or situations that will lead you away from Christ Jesus. Saying no to casual sex and saving intimacy for marriage takes 
self-control. And yes, tease, you can't control yourself. There's a reason we don't just throw condoms at you in church. It's because we believe you can be responsible adults, young adults. Saying no to laziness in favor of an I can do it attitude and I will do it attitude. We need to stop hitting that snooze button on our Christianity and our discipleship. Some of us have stopped growing because we were just flat out lazy. Not willing to put forth the effort. Now look, I know we're tired. I'm tired right now. I'm looking forward to a nap. At some point today. So please keep my fellowship light. All right? I Look, I'm 43 years old. I, I welcome naps. That's a part of my regimen. You don't think Olympic athletes nap? You gotta let your body, you know, it's hard preaching. You gotta let your body recuperate after all this fellowship with y'all. And some of y'all can wear a brother out. Good Lord. I'm like, can I talk to him? We've been talking for like half an hour. Thank God I practice self control. But here's the thing, guys. Self-control has to be practiced. It doesn't come naturally for some of us. You've got to practice holding your tongue. You've got to practice not giving in to fits of rage, especially in the Bronx and Harlem. You know, we just, my wife and I, we went, we went to visit. We went to visit uh, her sister in uh, Virginia this past week. She just gave birth to a miracle baby. I mean, it was about a couple months now. She was born at 25, 25 24 weeks. She just came home a couple weeks ago. I mean, God is amazing. Amazing. I had to practice self-control in Virginia. It's not just here in New York. People are crazy everywhere. But you know what? Let me tell you something. The fact that we practice it, it's a benefit to wherever you go. Practicing self-control here in church will help you at your job. And practicing self-control on your job will help you in church. There's benefits, but it's got to be practiced. You know, these runners right here behind me, you see these guys crying and, and weeping and putting it. Runners, were, they were disqualified for jumping the gun at their race. Puerto Rico's Javier Colson and Francis uh, Willem Belusian was disqualified because they jumped the gun. Now, here's the thing. You may think that's not fair. They just jumped it once, and that was it. Four years they prepared for that. That's why they're crying. I'd be crying, too. I'd be crying, too. But that was for, they, they, they jumped it, they... You know, but guess what, guys? It's part of the rules. We, too, as Christians, we got to follow the rules, too. There's some rules that we follow, and if we don't, we, too, can be disqualified. That's why Paul said, I don't want to be disqualified. You don't believe me? Listen to what he tells Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.5, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless what? He 
competes according to the rules. Now, these men have trained for years for this one moment only to be disqualified for a lack of self-control. And then I thought about this, and I thought about how many Christians have been disqualified for a lack of self-control, for jumping the gun, because they did not follow the rules. Some of us know people who have been faithful for many years, but got disqualified because they jumped the gun on their purity. Because they, they, they had a false start because they made a bad decision that led to another bad decision that led to another bad decision. We know people who've been disqualified because they jumped the gun on dating. Because they jumped the gun on, being, on getting married. Marriage is a wonderful thing, but guys, you've got to follow the rules. God gives us rules for a reason. I think sometimes as Christians, even when we're talking to people, we don't want to mention the word rules. You can't come up in my house and act any way you want. There are rules in the Warrens household. Just as there are rules in God's house as well. We want to reach that goal. We got to follow God's rules. We want to stay in God's family. We got to follow his rules. But see, these rules are not burdensome like some of us think of rules. They actually help us. They actually help us. Now, in the world, these men didn't get a second chance. They got to wait another four years. But I bet you one thing, in between now and 2020, they'll be practicing self-control. The American uh, relay team, same thing. They had to practice self-control. False starts, dropping the batons, poor hands off. They had to work on self-control. See, we can't just get there. We can't just stumble into heaven. We got to practice, and you got to know yourself well enough to know, man, you know, this situation is going to make me upset. I need to control my anger. Because once it leaves, it's a lot harder to deal with once you've done it. God wants you to avoid a bad situation if possible. And lastly, Olympic athletes. You guys still with me, right? Olympic athletes make do or die commitments. When most people are burned out from the battle, Olympians are just getting warmed up. It's not that they don't fatigue and get tired, but their commitment to their dream of winning the goal keeps them going. Have you ever looked at someone who's been a, a Christian for, for, for many years and asked yourself, well, how is he still here? How is she still faithful after all they've been through? Because of their commitment. It's their commitment. You know, we, when we say Jesus is Lord, we, we, we enter a covenant with God. God tells us his commitment to us. I am willing to die for you. There's nothing I won't do for you. And we have to fulfill our part of the commitment. But it takes a do or die attitude. 
I'm going to do it or die trying. If it means I got to I got to work my schedule out so I can fulfill my commitment, then I will do it. No relationship will ever grow or flourish beyond its starting point without commitments. You can't make it through the highs and lows of life without commitments. Every spiritual athlete will have something come their way, but we will have to stay committed. This refugee team, this is one team made up entirely of 10 refugees from different countries. Several of these athletes have escaped death. Others have escaped political turmoil. And still others have escaped life of just unwitting soldiers. And these 10 individuals show the world that athletes can emerge from even the most rough and unthinkable circumstances. And we as Christians, you know, nothing encourages my faith more when I see a brother or a sister or a couple go through the unthinkable and still stand. That, I mean, that inspires me. That fires me up. That gives me hope that, man, if they can go through it, then amen. You know, when we go through challenges and we persevere, and we have a, we, we're, look, I'm not going anywhere because I'm committed to God. It has, it has a, 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 an effect and an impact that nothing else can. It's contagious. Commitment is contagious. It's only frightening to the uncommitted. In Hebrews chapter 12, listen to this and we'll close here. Hebrews 12 verse Verse 1, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a crowd, a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. What is hindering you from fulfilling your commitment to God? What is hindering you from fulfilling your commitment to the body of Christ? And the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We live in a country where we're not worrying about whether or not we're going to be dragged out of our homes, whether or not a bomb is going to come through our ceiling whether or not our kids are going to be dragged out and separated and thrown into concentration camps. That is not where we live. So what is hindering our commitments? There are people right now living in countries where they can't open their Bible in a Starbucks. They can't talk openly about Jesus. But yet they're committed because their eyes are fixed on him. Church, we can't lose heart. We can't grow weary. There is too many lost souls out there who's counting on us, fulfilling our commitment to God. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're making a do or die commitment to live for him. Doing what he commands. Dying to ourselves. Yes, there will be hurdles, but we cannot lose heart. You know, our commitment as a Christian I'm a part of a fellowship of the unashamed. 
I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. No, I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by his patience, lifted by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought. I cannot be deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up. Shut up or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, and prayed up, and paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, Preach to all knows and work till he stops me. And when he comes, when he comes looking for me, he will see my banner. It will not be an American flag. It will not be a, a New York City Yankees hat. It will be the blood of Christ stained on my body. My white robe will be red because I'm cleansed by Jesus and I am reaching for the gold. Brothers and sisters, let's not lose heart. Let's do whatever it takes to reach the goal for Christ and to God be the glory.